0: Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. A year ago, politicians were talking about the American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA, as a way to help the struggling economy get back on track. So what happened to all of that money? This week, we take a look. When Congress passed the American Rescue Plan, it was supposed to be more than just a short-term fix, unlike the earlier CARES Act. It was supposed to not only help the economy now, but set up some longer-term recovery. Tucson Mayor Rahina Romero says so far the city has received $67 million in ARPA funding.
1: The difference between the American Rescue Plan Act and CARES is that CARES, the intent of CARES funds were to be used immediate, were to be used for, uh, to stop the bleeding uh, and, and be used immediately. And I feel that our mayor and council um, and our staff and the nonprofit organizations that we partner with, with CARES, did heroic work to get that money out into the hands of small businesses, of working families, of, um, you know, um, uh, trying to prevent uh, evictions. And we helped artists and gig workers. I mean, it was incredible, the work and the partnership that we put with CARES. With the American Rescue Plan dollars, we have the opportunity, and the Biden administration encourages uh, cities throughout this country to use this money for transformational investment. And so Mayor and Council, uh, we created a framework where our first point was a recovery for all, starting with communities who were the the, uh, hardest hit by the pandemic. The framework also includes investment in uh, partner, strategic partnerships with Pima County, um, Pima County school districts, and other partners in other jurisdictions, uh, data-driven and evidence-based investment to create the backbones of Tucson's relief and recovery. So Mayor and Council created a framework so that we could use ARPA funds for transformative, transformational investments for our community. And I'll tell you, uh, that's exactly what we need. Uh, We need to make sure that as we invest these funds, we are investing in the areas that have been hardest hit by that pandemic and which, by the way, are the areas and the neighborhoods that have been historically disinvested in. If you take a map, of the zip codes in the city of Tucson that was that were hardest hit by COVID, those same areas have been historically disinvested neighborhoods. And by the way, those same neighborhoods are the ones that have the highest crime and ha- highest poverty and are also heat islands in our city. So if we focus in those areas that were hardest hit by COVID-19, we can uh, really transform, layer the help. And that's exactly what we have been doing with targeted approaches uh, to how we invest the first tranche, which is the $67 million that the city of Tucson received.
0: Somebody driving through our community, uh, listening to this and says, okay, this is long-term investment, transformational. But as they're driving around Is there something they can see now that is ARPA-funded at this
1: point? Absolutely. Two things that I can point to you right now um, that we have been, Mayor and Council have been um, quick at implementing. One, we have invested $23 million dollars in promoting affordable and stable housing. So Marin Council gave the directive to Housing Community Services Department to purchase hotels um, and um, duplexes and other properties to house our houseless folk and families that lost their apartments uh, because of the effects of COVID we have more than 165 units to house people immediately. We're putting it to work and we are using a housing first model where we actually invite our houseless folk to come into our units and then we wrap around the services. And uh, they can come in with family, with a partner, or with their pets. We have to stabilize them first, give them a home, and, and then wrap around the services. The second example is our free transit. We are paying for a f- absolutely free transit for our community. And the reason we decided to do that was because, one, people were losing their jobs. And we needed to make sure that they had a free way of getting to where they needed to go with our transit system, our bus system, our Sunlink, our, and, and our Sunbank are all operating free right now. And people can jump on board and not have to do deal with uh, with the driver because we were very concerned about COVID in and, and and our drivers. And so uh, our free transit has been going on for a year now. And when we have <laughs> uh, the prices of gas at what we are seeing now, I believe that our workers, our students, And uh, people in general should take advantage of the free transit that the city of Tucson is offering now because of CARES and because of ARPA funds.
0: You called many of the projects transformational and long term. How long term do you think this money will last? I mean, five years from now, will we still be talking about, oh, this was funded by ARPA 10 years or two years?
1: The mayor and council decided to do it in four years. So even though the city of Tucson is going to receive two tranches, we received one last year, we're receiving one this year, we decided to plan for four years. Instead of spending all of the money in two years, we we are planning to spend the money in four. And that gives us an opportunity to really look at the evidence that this year's funding is going to... Um, is going to do for our community. So we want to create youth employment opportunities, especially for the areas in the zip codes, the youth that live in the the, um, areas that COVID hit the most in. And those, of course, I told you, are the areas that are also the low-income areas historically disinvested. So youth employment programs, um, behavioral health, mental health investments, Um, and we want to be able to have the opportunity to really study the first two years and the impact that that did, uh, to, um, to being able to get to the root of, um, poverty and crime in our community. And so we have an opportunity to, to really plan well and, um, Partner with our nonprofit organizations, with school districts, with Pima County, uh, to see how we can layer, we ha- we can have a layered approach um, to the, uh, the issues, our social issues here in our community that were highlighted, were highlighted by the pandemic.
0: I know the state earlier this year was in a little trouble with the federal government over not using some relief money that was sent down. Are there any concerns on the city's part about the city's ARPA money not getting used and the federal government turning around and saying, oh, you didn't use it fast enough?
1: No, I have full faith that um, the the staff... Um, in the city of Tucson, will do everything they possibly can, and mayor and council really because we uh, we work together to make sure that we are partnering with the uh, correct nonprofit organizations that they have the capacity to put the money out. Um, we were we asked when we put out the pro, the request for proposals that they evaluate their capacity and be realistic about what they could offer and what work they could do. As a matter of fact, the city of Tucson and Pima County have been so effective in putting money out into the hands of our community that uh, with the um, eviction prevention program that we are running with Pima County, we expended um, all of the money at the time that the Biden administration wanted us to spend it and took extra funds from the state of Arizona because the state was not spending it fast enough. And we already need more because there's plenty of need. And we have the experienced staff to be able to put those funds out as quickly as possibly. Uh, And so I have full faith that we can expend these funds appropriately and on time.
0: That was Tucson Mayor Rahina Romero. You're listening to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, we're looking at what local governments are doing with the funding from the now year-old American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA. Earlier this week, President Joe Biden gave a speech to the members of the National League of Cities at their annual meeting, and ARPA was one of the topics. A big
2: part of the reason we're so successful is because the rescue plan went directly to you without having to pass go, without having to go to the State Houses. <laughs> Folks, we allocated three hundred and fifty billion dollars of state and local budgets, but we made sure one hundred and thirty billion of that went straight to local governments.
0: In Pima County, some of the ARPA funding was used to begin an eviction prevention program along with the City of Tucson and private partners. Andy Flagg oversees the county's portion of the program and says Pima County alone has helped 10,000 people so far. So,
2: you know, we have a, a number of different funding sources that have gone toward efforts to keep folks housed. And so, you know, our department did administer some CARES Act funding for rental, uh, and utility assistance. Um, So obviously, that's a component of that. Um, With respect to the eviction prevention through legal services, court navigation, um, and bridge housing that we're currently doing now, that started with the ARPA funding that became available last May.
0: It seems like Pima County and Tucson are a little unique with this funding. And maybe it's just because you guys decided to combine forces instead of Fight with each other over it.
2: Well, we certainly. I mean, I think the the joint effort with the um, the rental assistance funding that came through uh, through, which which some of that is pre-ARPA, and then there's a there's a second round associated with ARPA. Uh, but the joint nature of the program, I think, has been a, a a big part of its success.
0: When it comes to this program, just so people understand it. If you can give kind of the the short version of it, and how long does it take from when someone contacts you all to their getting a check or their landlord is getting a check, so things are are getting better for them?
2: I think the time varies between application and um, and and when the check's received, and that depends on a variety of factors that include, you know, um, how high risk of eviction the tenant is. It includes factors like. Um, you know, how easy is it, is it to get in contact with the tenant and landlord and get the required documentation and those kinds of things. Um, so, so from the, from the rent assistance program side, it's going to, it's going to vary quite a bit. One of the things that we've been able to do specifically with the ARPA money that's been allocated toward um, eviction prevention is to facilitate, um, you know, a, a, a quick payment or as quick as possible payment for those folks who are in eviction court. So we use our court navigation staff, who are, who are physically embedded in the court, to work with landlords who, even though they filed a case, they're still willing to cooperate and try to keep the tenant housed, and we work to, um, to, to get that to a case manager and facilitate getting it completed um, as soon as possible.
0: This program seems to be one of the models in the country, so much so that. You all use the money very quickly and then turn to the state, which had gotten money and said, you're not using it. Send it down to us.
2: Yeah, we we've been fortunate to, to, you know, to be able to cooperate very well with the state to to reallocate some of that that money because we were able to to spend it more quickly. Um, And we've also benefited from a collaboration. Uh, not you know, as mentioned, you know, with the city and and um, and its nonprofit partner, Community Investment Corporation, but also with um, the Consolidated Justice Court um, and, and other players to really have have a a consolidated approach.
0: When it comes to ARPA funding, and I guess really most federal funding, it is limited in scope. What's the future of this program? As ARPA funding runs out, or is there enough funding that this program can go on for a long time?
2: Well, we know we can we can continue to use ARPA money for several years. I think I think into to twenty twenty five and maybe even twenty twenty six. And and there are you know obviously requirements associated with that. I think with respect to the rental assistance money, um, you know we're going to use it as long as we have our allocations and we can get reallocations. Um, with respect to the other programs we've built, including the the eviction legal representation court navigation program, the bridge housing program that we're offering for the recently evicted, you know, we we anticipate that those will continue to go uh, through through twenty twenty four, and um, you know, the, the the money will run out at some point, and and we'll have to look at. Um, you know, at what's working and what other funding sources might be available to try to continue the things that we want to continue, but for, for, for we're at least, you know, in a position to, to be, to have resources available, um, you know, in the coming year, a couple, two, two, three years.
0: You just rattled off a handful of other programs. We've mainly been talking about rental assistance, but the ARPA money does more than just rental assistance.
2: Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I, I I work with my little piece of it, which is the um, the eviction prevention. It's a, I think we've been allocated something about two and a half percent of the county's overall allocation for the eviction prevention and, and bridge housing operations that we're doing. Obviously, a broad array of, of um, uh, programs that the county's put in place, primarily targeted at the public health and economic impacts of the pandemic.
0: You mentioned bridge housing. For those who aren't familiar, what is that?
2: Sure. So what what we what we've done is we've been able to um, collaborate um, to 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 take over basically a block of hotel rooms um, that we've been able to make available for those folks who primarily families or or folks who face you know medical conditions or the elderly who you know may be evicted for the first time um, and we're not able to find them another housing solution. Um, we have that available as a backstop to keep folks from going on the street. What we've been able to do using ARPA money as, as part of that and some other federal funding as well, is to put on-site case management at the hotel as well, which is, I think, really important to help folks um, transition and, and and look for a, a more permanent housing solution.
0: I would assume, as with so many programs like this, there's a backlog. You said you can handle 50 to 70 a week. How big a backlog is there? It seems like this could be a program, especially right now, that, that's got a lot of takers.
2: Yeah, and, and the 50 to 70 I week, a week that I mentioned are just those that are coming through eviction court. So, you know, there's many. I think I think it's more like probably 500 coming into the rental assistance system per week. And so there is a backlog there. Um, you know, I think I don't think anybody. The the the, the number um, includes duplicates, and so it's kind of a misleading number. But I think it's around 6,000 in the backlog right now. Um, and so you know working with the city and our our partner we're you know trying to reduce that backlog while we're also uh, processing the new cases that come in um, and and we do deal with two on the eviction side uh, eviction court side you know we deal with um, uh, you know I, th- I think there are something like seven or eight hundred eviction filings a month um, and so a lot of those folks are reaching out to us for help with their eviction case too so um, Where we're, we've been able to keep up mostly with that, but it is a challenge, and will I think continue to be a challenge going forward.
0: As the pandemic seems to have waned, at least for the time being, some have you seen a decrease in demand for what you all are doing, or is this now spanning beyond the pandemic?
2: I don't think we've seen a, a decrease in demand yet. Um, you know, we'll have to see what it looks like as as things really continue to subside and in, in the employment. You know, market. Assuming it continues to improve, um, but we haven't, from where I'm sitting, we haven't seen a decrease yet.
0: That was Andy Flagg with Pima County talking about the eviction prevention program and ARPA funding. The American Rescue Plan Act also allowed for an expansion of the health insurance program, commonly known as Obamacare. Jeanette Pinwellis is a navigator for the health insurance marketplace in Arizona.
3: A navigator uh, is basically an application assister that helps community members. It's uh, free help for community members to apply for health insurance. Um, so what we do is we educate our community members as to uh, health insurance terminology that can be a little unfamiliar with. Uh, we educate them on the plans uh, available in Uh, in our county. So here in in Pima County, um, we learn about all the plans we have available here and we help people kind of decide what coverage they can afford and get.
0: So with some of the relief plans that were passed, the American Relief Plan, there were some changes made to all of this. And I remember at the time the Biden administration said it's the most affordable it's ever been. So what were the changes?
3: The biggest changes uh, were that there was a limit. The, the discounts that the healthcare.gov or, or the health insurance marketplace provide are um, advanced premium tax credits. So there had been uh, a limit as to, and it goes by federal poverty level, as to who can uh, get these this assistance, these tax credits, to help pay for your health insurance. Uh, the American Rescue Plan uh, helped and in increase those limits. So people who made a little bit more income and didn't qualify before for any help uh, with uh, enrolling into health insurance could get a little more help and, and make plans a little more affordable for that specific group. Um, and it also opened up a special enrollment period because of COVID so that people could en- go in and enroll for a health insurance plan.
0: Did you see more people come in during that special enrollment period than you would normally see, or was it about the same?
3: Yes, we saw definitely a lot more um, because usually uh, in other open enrollment or special enrollment periods, you have to have very specific criteria to qualify. Uh, So let's say a marriage, uh, you had a baby, or you lost employment and lost health coverage because of that. Um, But um, with this special enrollment period, anyone who had kind of missed the boat were, was welcome to, to come on in and apply. Uh, so we definitely saw a lot more people uh, applying.
0: Did these changes, these new changes uh, from the American Rescue Plan, help people out, or was it about the same? You know, percentage of people you were seeing who were eligible for those types of benefits?
3: Yeah, so it really did help um, a lot of people out. We actually. Uh, We're encouraging people who even already had plans to come on in and and review what they were eligible for, because with the American Rescue Plan, there was different uh, co-pays, deductibles, and especially monthly premiums. So uh, with more help available, their premiums were able to go down, their monthly premiums. So um, we were encouraging anyone to come and reevaluate.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. The reevaluate is that something in general people should do? I don't know, every year or two years or something like that. Come in, sit down with a navigator like yourself and say, Am I doing this right?
3: Yes. So it is extremely important to reevaluate every year because each year we have new plans. We have, uh, how different structure of plans, so different co-pays, deductibles, um, networks change. So maybe you have a health insurance plan that takes your doctor now, but didn't, but won't this coming year. Um, So it is extremely important to actually reevaluate your options every year.
0: Sounds like, uh, especially with special enrollment periods and then open enrollment, you all keep pretty busy year round, it sounds like, looking at all of this.
3: Yes, so um so we have uh, assistance year round. Open enrollment is obviously the busiest time uh, just because it's it's the time of the time period to come reevaluate for for the coming year. Um it is extremely important during that time to re-enroll for the coming year, make sure everything is um all straightened out so that you can have coverage for January 1st.
0: The changes that came out due to the American Rescue Plan, were these just one-time changes or when open enrollment comes around looking forward to 2023? It seems like such a long time away, but it is coming. Will those changes still be in place?
3: The advance Premium Tax Credit, the extra help, uh, will stay. Um, and hopefully, um, I'm not sure if they have the dates out yet, but we have... Um, Open enrollment was extended an extra 30 days for uh, this last open enrollment, and I believe it will stay the same with an extended open enrollment period.
0: So when it, it comes to someone who's coming to see you is interested, be it an open enrollment or some of the other special circumstances, do they need to bring anything with them? What do they need to know walking in the door so you can help them the best you can?
3: Yes, yeah, so there are certainly um, a few things that we definitely need for the application. Like I mentioned, the assistance with paying for health insurance is through a tax credit. So we need um, income tax information. So uh, income information, dependent information, uh, full legal names, social security numbers for yourself, your spouse, if you're married, and any dependents that you claim on your taxes. um. And then we need uh, employer information where um, the health insurance marketplace is really a place to get health insurance if you don't have any other options. So if your employer offers any health coverage, we need to know that information as well, just to make sure that you qualify for a plan through the health insurance marketplace. Um, so uh, now with the uh, American Rescue Plan, we have a new special enrollment period uh, where people under 100 percent uh 150% of the federal poverty level can qualify for a special enrollment period, no other requirements.
0: And when is that special enrollment period?
3: So it's monthly, as long as you qualify income-wise, uh, which is the nice thing. So maybe uh, something there's certain circumstances where uh, you didn't enroll during open enrollment, but you're under that federal poverty level. You can just uh, see what's available for you through the marketplace and enroll.
0: That was health insurance navigator Jeanette Penwellis. And that's The Buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Megan Myskowski produced this week's show with help from Samantha Larned, our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer, and our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening.
3: Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.